0: Well we're live of course from Nasrec this morning. We're live at the ANC's national conference. We're live at the scene yesterday where there was uh, a little bit of late coming. There was uh, a little bit of an attempted at disruption by the KwaZulu-Natal delegates. Siphenzele, I don't know who they sent in to the KZN delegates yesterday who was playing the role of uh, principal to say how dare you, you know, you're coming to the principal's office and now you're in trouble. Um Beki would he be your pick?
1: I would actually say Boniso Duma, who is uh, the KZN uh, provincial chairperson. In fact, while the president was speaking on stage, Duma went up on stage, went directly to the chairperson of the ANC, Gwete Mantashe, and you could see they were having a back and forth about all the heckling, the disruption. I think he was probably saying to him, hang on a second, this is bad interrupt the president, call for discipline, and then we continue. Because at that point, Steve, i tell you, we could not hear a word that the president w- was in fact speaking. Then suddenly, Minister of Police, Peggy Kele, got up as well. I mean, it was quite awkward on the screen because you have the president reading his cue These three gentlemen at the back are obviously having an argument about what to do. They slightly move away. Um, and then, of course, nothing happens. president continues. Bonito Duma then walks down to his delegates. There was one in particular who I thought... What is he doing? He stood up trying to get the attention of Gwede Mantache to interrupt the president speaking. Duma came over very sternly. He's a tall guy. So of course, it doesn't take a lot for him to look very serious and scary. And he said to him, what are you doing? Sit down in isiZulu." He came then to the lots that were sitting just, just, just uh, close to the cameras and where, where we were, and told them to behave, and very quickly, they kept quiet. So, they recognized his position as leader of the president, and they started behaving. Of course, later on, the heckling started all over again, but I think Duma certainly um, had the authority that one Juan Guetamantaja didn't have, particularly over the KZN delegates who were rather problematic and disruptive.
0: It's really interesting to see how all of that played out. We'll have more on that for you. We'll talk about Gender and the ANC. Samkela Masekos joined us, the senior political reporter at the SABC. Samkela, is it true that your phone's been declared a national key point? (laughs) (laughs) I wonder by who.
2: (laughs) But uh, our phones are very busy because ultimately that's where everything comes in. That's where the latest information of what's happening at conference by those who are sources tell us and uh, particularly of the late night discussions that took place yesterday.
1: And what are your sources telling you about those discussions?
2: There are lots of discussions, lots of negotiations taking place. I know those who support Mabu, the current Deputy President Mabuza, we meeting in Kempton Park, trying to chart a way forward. Those who support Dr. Nkwasazana Lamini, Zuma, William Kize, Lindiwe Sisulu, they had their own meeting, trying to find a consolidated slate. And there were several discussions between Tumseni Ntuli and Figile Balula for one of them to try and fall off so that one can contest Pumulo Muswale for the position of Secretary General so that they don't try and split their vote as well. But the most contentious issue is that of deputy president because seemingly those who don't agree with Paul Mashatile on both factions, those who support Dr. William Keyes and those who support uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, they are saying, can Paul Mashatile be trusted?
0: It's so interesting to me that everyone's had five years to sort this out. Here we are. (laughs) uh, Because of a delay, we haven't had nominations, and there's still no agreement. Stephen, uh Are we proceed
2: is the conference proceeding? Are they done with registration? (laughs) Registration is not done the steering committee met last night they have not yet concluded the issue is the replacement of delegates delegates who were number one on the list as delegate number one some of them could not make it to conference so the replacement alternate delegate needs to be the one who put on the system and that is the bone of contention because people are now saying that the replacement of delegates is not being done properly and that there's some sort of manipulation taking place i know within the Herikwala region in KZN, there are a number of delegates who couldn't make it. And it's not only within the province of KwaZulu-Natal that delegates are being replaced, it's all across nine provinces that the number one delegate that was chosen to come to conference could not make it. And now the alternate delegate, there is an issue with the replacement of those delegates because the regional secretaries and the provincial secretaries through the steering committee have not followed due processes, hence the delay in the registration process. Yesterday when Mr. Ramaphosa, the president of the ANC opened this conference at about half past three in the afternoon, about 850 delegates were yet to register at the registration venue. Even this morning, speaking to some delegates that I know, they are saying that they've not been able to register because they are replacement delegates and their regional secretaries and provincial secretaries have not sent the proper documentation to the National Steering Committee which is chaired by Senzumke for this conference.
1: Just when you think, Samgele, that uh, we may perhaps be seeing an end to slate politics, it feels as though we're going back to it, right? And I was asking Stephen just early on uh, whether the conference has ever been as contested, heavily contested in the way that it is this time, very tense as you're seeing, um, and of course depending on who you're speaking to um, then you get a sense of who in fact uh, is, is is a shoe and a real foot in in terms of the, the various positions here um, we know of course uh, as you've already mentioned the deputy president, president uh, uh, position is all hotly contested as well, can you say of the, the, the top six, if it does remain just the top six you know, where you can tick off done, we know that this is the person who's Who's going in? Because all of it currently seems as though it's, it won't be clear until it's done. It
2: won't be clear until it's done. But what is uh, what, are, what is being seen is that Eastern Cape and KwaZulu Natal they also agree that they need the ANC needs to uh, they need to be constitutional amendments. They need to have a second Deputy Secretary General. It's a proposal that's supported by Limpopo and supported by other provinces as well. So it's a view that is going around all nine provinces that you need to change the organigram of the ANC to include this deputy, second deputy general secretary. But on the negotiations and slate politics, you can't truly really say that they are going back to slate politics, but there is an element of slate politics, mm-hmm. particularly when you look at those who are perceived as the platinum group in the civil Ramaphosa faction, whom decide that they're either going with Mbalula or going with... Uh, to be for the position of uh, secretary general but it's all a numbers game now everyone is mm-hmm. crunching their numbers and you've got this particular candidate who's been a dark horse for this position of sg who's not endorsed by any of the two dominant factions within the party but has been able to amass a a significant amount of support from about four provinces and also eat away a significant chunk of Pumula Muswale's nominations in KwaZulu-Natal because Pumula Muswale has 412 nominations from KwaZulu-Natal. Dumsanidu is sitting at 278 branch nominations in KZN but Zulim Kiza is sitting at 662 branch nominations for president. You look at the difference between Pumula Muswale and Zulim Kiza who are on the same lineup. It's a difference of of about 200 branch branch nominations which tells you that in KwaZulu-Natal as well you cannot truly determine which way that province will vote on the position of Secretary General. Mm. The most contentious position, and my view, for this conference, which is hotly contested and which will ultimately determine who becomes president of the country, because the reality is the ANC president and the president of the republic may trip over Palapal. If the constitutional court upheld the Section 89 report, yeah. he's pretty much done and dusted. Then the whoever is deputy president of the ANC, ultimately becomes president of the country. So that is the most important position that all factions in this conference, they want that position. If you get that position, it pretty much gives you a 75% shoe-in in the presidency or the number one position of the ANC.
0: Well, Kelly Maseko, thank you very much indeed, as always. We're going to check in with your WhatsApp account a little later. do appreciate <laughs> the time. Great pleasure to welcome the Reverend Bafana Kumalo, co-chairperson of Sonka Gender Justice. Let's talk a little bit about issues around gender. They always come to the fore in these conferences. Now, Father Kumalo, good morning and thank you for your time.
3: Good morning, Stephen and Sarah. Good morning to your listeners.
0: I'm always intrigued by the fact that we talk about gender as a society and gender-based violence uh, more than we ever have, and yet the incidents, the number of cases, uh, and certainly the number of cases that make headlines goes up and up. The president spoke a a little bit about gender yesterday. I don't know if he put it sort of front and center enough when you consider the burning problem that it is. Well, uh,
3: Stephen, as you would have uh, seen, even in the process, uh, leading to this conference, it's amazing to me that an organization that is over 100 years still fails to recognize women leaders. Um, No nomination in the top six uh, for the presidency, um, whereas the ANC always tells us that they are leader of society. It's astounding to me. That there's still no recognition for women leadership in a country where we've got an abundance of talent uh, amongst women and um, it, it really is showing the kind of challenges that we still have in society you will know that uh, we had at least two women in the past administrations now that has receded in this late in this election now, you only have, you know, position for one woman in the top six. That itself is telling about where, you know, the organisation that is leading in our country spends mm-hmm. on issues of gender transformation.
1: In, indeed, Mwangu, always a pleasure. Um, we, you know, just yesterday, uh, just on the the sidelines here in Nasrec, having a conversation with some analysts and chatting with, with one one Namguni about. The, the issue of of gender and that it really points to the very patriarchal nature of the African National Congress, that as, as old a party as it is um, in you know, uh, democratic South Africa, that we still find ourselves here, that we, we for so long have had just this one position, the DSG position, um, reserved for women, so, um, so to speak. We have talent, as, as you've in fact mentioned, but it seems as though that there is this resistance. We don't only see it in the ANC. We, we see it also in other political parties. It's a societal issue.
3: Yeah, that's true. That's true, Sede. I mean, this this runs across uh, our political landscape. <clears throat> but I, I think what makes it even more concerning is that, you know, the ANC has always uh, punted progressive policies um, around these questions, but the challenge is always on the follow-through. Um, it's one thing to have very progressive policies, but the test is how do you then ensure that in your own Structures, you demonstrate that why is it that the branches of the ANC are actually not recognizing women leaders because that's where the problem starts you know if, if indeed if this is a movement that is transformational that believes in uh, gender equality we mm. should be seeing that coming through um, in the denominations but clearly there's still a lot of work that needs to be done
0: it's so interesting to me, uh, Father, where, where um, if you go back through the sort of history of the ANC and look at the structures, there are two sort of elements to it that that kind of, I think, reveal what you're saying or illustrate it. The one is that the ANC has this, this really progressive policy of saying, on the National Executive Committee we're going to be 50-50, so from the last 20 positions onwards, if there are not enough women in the NEC, they get sort of preference votes. And if you look through the results of NECs for at least the last, I think, 10 years, you'll see that the last 20 positions are occupied by women. And that's it's a deliberate attempt. I mean, I don't know any other political party, I think, in the world, frankly, that does something like that. That, Like, that's really progressive. On the other side, when you have direct one-for-one leaders, leadership elections, as you do in provinces and regions, I know of only one province once, Northwest, that elected Edna Malewa leader directly. Um, Otherwise, it's always men that are leading provinces. And you see this because the ANC has to intervene to try and appoint more women premiers, right? And so so it's revealed each time. Now, I don't blame the ANC policy for that. I I don't think you can in this case. The thing is, though, why does this happen? Now, we can talk about the societal issue. I would maybe suggest it's also short-termism. And maybe it's also that um, political leadership and, and the men... Are fighting incredibly hard and start with some kind of advantage, maybe? Yes,
3: that, that's true, uh, Stephen. I mean, I think we need to face up to the fact that we are still a very patriarchal society. That includes even you know progressive uh, organisations like the NC, because I don't think you can fault the NC at least in terms of its intentions but whether they are able to carry through their membership in that transformational agenda, that obviously is not proven true in terms of the practice. If you look at the mayors, you know, you can actually cascade through the the, the various uh, formations. Um, And the strange thing, Stephen, is that most of the people who campaign for these kind of positions, you find a lot of women you know, on the ground doing a lot of work in support of the ANC. Why is it that you don't also see women supporting other women? You know, it's a vexing question, but I, I, I guess it's a societal matter because, you know, I come from a faith-based formation, as you know. We also have this conundrum in the church that majority of the members are women, but when mm. you look at the leadership, the higher you go, it's male-dominated. Who elects these men? It's also women who are in these institutions. That's why I'm saying there's a lot of work really that we need to do to change the mindset so that we move away from this notion that only men are endowed with, you know, gifts to provide leadership. And and it really goes to the core of our understanding about the importance of recognising the role that women can play in our society. And we need really to sell this idea to everybody so that it becomes a normal process. I mean, it's progressive for the N.C. to say when numbers don't... uh, come out as we expect we will intervene and do this but that's not sustainable we need to get to a point where people are nominating and recognizing women for the role that women can play and as i say i can say without contradiction there are lots of talented women in our society we just need to change the mindset of all of us that we recognize that and acknowledge it
1: indeed Reverend, and I'm glad that that you're also calling out the church for its own shortcomings in, in terms of adequate gender representation I think the media is is also guilty of this as well right uh, where whether it's the gender pay gap that we're speaking of representation on on prime shows if you will right I think it, as to, to the earlier point about society as well that that we want to see this change across the board but perhaps perhaps just to caution as well to not limit our analysis of whether or or not, there is sufficient gender representation and transformation only based on leadership. right? So we should be asking the question as to whether or not the prospects of women and, and women identifying people in this country have, in fact, improved. We heard the president yesterday, in fact, um, spending a bit of time, uh, you, you know, almost quantifying some of the change that we've seen. Whether women members of parliament or women within um, the, the ANC it itself, who are in fact in various in various leadership uh, uh, positions at, at local level, but also speaking broadly about society, and, and and I wonder if our obsession with leadership sometimes short changes, short changes uh, our, our our audiences, short changes society in terms of our analysis of understanding the journey that we've taken as a country from where we were a couple of decades ago where women were in the sort of opportunities that are in fact available, which which can, of course, largely be attributed to the work that this very political party that we gathered in the name of um, here in Nasrec have been able to contribute to. And of course, the significant work that uh, civil society has been able to do as well in trying to make South Africa a more equal country.
3: Yes, of course. I mean, I, I think the test, you know, of our uh, convictions must be in the, in practice. I, I think in civil society, we are doing much better. Um, if one looks at most of the civil society organizations, there's a lot of uh, women-led um, organizations, and many of them are doing very well, including my own organization. Um, you have, you know, very formidable skill sets that, you know, are able to to demonstrate to society uh, the abilities uh, that are available. That's the point that I'm, I'm suggesting. We need to do more work in terms of how do we ensure that in all our formations in society, we ensure that we uh, help people to understand why this is important and what benefits is it to our society when we recognize all the you know skill sets that are available it makes a huge difference uh, in terms of our outcomes um i think it is possible we've seen those women that have come through whether in business or in your sector as you are indicating of course there are still contradictions there but we know that when you know opportunities have been made available you know many of those that have been given those opportunities have really shown that they can lead and lead uh, very progressively and and those uh, 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 elements for me are a glimpse of what is possible and and we just need to push the envelope more, and ensure that we bring in diversity and in informations and all of that. And yeah. and I agree with you also that it's not just about leadership. Of course, it's about how do we cascade it in the various uh, uh, aspects of our lives. How do yeah. we push for equal pay, for equal work? How do we push for ensuring that, for instance, issues like care. Care work is not just the responsibilities of women, Mm. because these are the issues that actually set women back. If women are expected to be looking after children, looking after families, looking for water, when do they find time to develop themselves and be available for, you know, leading society? Because it constrains the ability to do other things and and uh, something we are pushing for instance for care work because we are challenging us men to say let us share in the care work so that it provides opportunities for both women who can also do other things in society and not only be concerned, yeah. By having to look after you know things in the homestead and therefore not be able to be available for other opportunities in the economy um, in private spaces in 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 business um, and, 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 and unless we change the mindset around you know those very important uh, aspects of our lives so that there is indeed opportunities for people to can express themselves outside their homestead, we are not going to be able to achieve much uh, in this result.
0: Father Bafana Kamalo, really, we really appreciate the time. Thank you very much indeed. The co-chair of the organization, Sonka Gender Justice. Well, plenty to come in the next little while. Let's talk about load shedding. Uh, let's talk about where we are. Stage six load shedding this morning across the country, although not in Djerberg. They're exempt uh, just for the moment. This is how some of the delegates used load shedding against President Ramaphosa yesterday.
3: Uh, now we're going to sing the national anthem. Now we're going to
4: sing the national anthem. Negative The
3: uh, national anthem is the choir ready. up to
0: Well, that's how it played out yesterday. And you can imagine, of course, being a delegate here at NASRIC and how effective load shedding might be as a sort of political tactic, a political tool, a political issue against President Sororama Ramaphosa Stage 6 load shedding announced yesterday, and you'll have heard many predictions across SAFM over the last week or so about worse load shedding to come, particularly next year. Professor Samson Mompwedi is the director of the Center for Renewable and Sustainable Energy Studies at the University of Stellenbosch. Good
4: morning, Stephen, and, um, and the listeners.
0: The president speaking about energy yesterday and about electricity, speaking about the need for some kind of emergency program. And I don't know what that would be. I mean, we know, and there's been huge conversations around this. Usually, the quickest way, as I understand it, to get electricity into a grid is not through a nuclear power station, but probably a renewable power station. On the other hand, there has been a lot of talk around the car power ships deal. Um, how do you interpret what the president was saying?
4: So um, the, what uh, the president said, basically, is um, part of um, what the, the, the policy, the ANC conference, policy conference uh, recorded in their policy position, uh, in their policy document, uh, in terms of um, as we're getting new generation capacity on board. But they reaffirmed the, the, the fact that the IRP is the, is the country's energy plan and things like that. But uh, coming to fast-tracking new generation capacity, uh, there's only one way that that can be done: is through renewable energy, because you can you can only build you can only build, you can build renewable energy within 24 months, um, and then you can have it online. Um, all other sources apart from the power ships that you mentioned, which have a lot of other problems as well, which we, we warned against a long time before they even. Um, started the procurement process, uh, they've got their own challenges. Uh, if you look at the, the other fossil fuel kind of um, uh, the technologies, your coal, your nuclear and all that, they take a long time to build. Um, and the president also touched on the fact that uh, we're not going to decommission all the coal power stations, which is um, a myth that uh, some people have been pushing around. So the, the, the only way that um, we can get new generation capacity quickly is through renewable energy and the policy itself. Um, it talks about uh, removing some of the bottlenecks to ensure that uh, the ITPs, for instance, want to procure who want to build this renewable energy uh, a, a project, uh, don't have, don't, don't encounter these uh, red tape, such as your first tracking of your environmental authorization, which is captured also in the ANC policy document, which is also part of the, the president's plan, basically.
1: Mm. Professor Amambwedi, Seben Zile here. Always a pleasure. One would have thought that, you know, once you've reached this point of crisis, that the focus would solely and 100% be just about um, ensuring that there's sufficient supply to meet the ever-growing demand for energy. From the president's comments yesterday as well, one got the sense that he was quite, quite particular about ensuring that all the, the various stakeholders, really, that, that matter here when we talk about energy in the country... That they are pleased, right? We know the, the the role and the voice of unions as well continues to be a loud one. As you mentioned, the conversation about uh, shutting down coal coal powered um, stations and so on has been, of course, a source of of, uh, of great debate and concern for some as well. We know that ultimately the solutions need to be fit for purpose, but of course, the the balancing the political demands is also it, it, it is also what the what, what the president and the leaders, in fact, need need to to concern themselves with. Are they doing that adequately? But is it happening at at the cost, though, of solutions and very quick solutions that we need for the country?
4: Yes, I, I don't think the, the that government and the ANC in particular um, are communicating or coordinating activities properly and and uh, and, and, and sending the correct message uh, to, to all stakeholders. Uh, we recently had a situation where uh, there was there were challenges when the the, the Minister of Mineral Resources and Energy was dealing with some consultation process on the just energy transition, for instance, and that is because of some of the statements that are made in public that are not in line with policy, uh, and and those statements are made specifically to make sure that uh, the people are happy, and not necessarily to rally them behind the country's energy plan. So then it, the, the the message that should be uh, uh, put forward by all is the message that um, I think the president spent some, some good time on it uh, yesterday, uh, the message that says we have a, a, a plan, an energy plan in the country, and this is the plan that we, we go on a consultation process to, to, to get to, and, and this is the plan that we need to basically rally behind. He also mentioned something that I like about uh, making resources available to ESCOM so that they can deal with uh, uh, some of the current challenges in terms of the problems that the coal fleet is giving. Um, and I hope that um, they, they are going to move swiftly to ensure that that happens uh, because ESCOM does not have money and uh, recently National Treasury rejected their their application for, for, for a 1.6 billion rand which partly um, uh, became one of the reasons why uh, the, the CEO had to resign.